comes the one two and there's a shot in the right field Hammer going by And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I was dreading this weekend. I thought I was going to hate this series between the Brewers and the Cubs. And you know what? I actually had fun. And I know that's easy as a Brewer fan to say. The Brewers winners uh, of two of three, they lost yesterday, but but taking the series. It's easy for me to say that I enjoyed it. It's, it's just a good brand of baseball. I don't know how many times I've talked about it on this show. I don't know how many times we've discussed it. When the Brewers and Cubs play each other, it just brings the best out of these two teams. Players that have been playing below average all of a sudden step their game up. Right? And then players that have been playing out of this world are suddenly brought back down to earth. Everything's made equal. And we saw that once again, the Brewers winning two of three. And really what this weekend was about, outside of the rivalry game and the, and the, the Wrigley North, outside of all of that, really what this weekend was about for the Brewers was keeping themselves in the race. Staying in contention, staying in the conversation, and continuing to bide time, bide time, bide time. Because they just might get hot. They just might get hot at the right time. And you want to keep that door, that contention door open as long as possible. That's what the Brewers did this weekend. They didn't win the division this weekend. The the Cubs didn't lose the division this weekend. What the Brewers did was keep themselves in the game. You want to keep playing the game as long as possible. This last week and this weekend, the Brewers accomplished goal number one. That's stay in it. That's stay in contention until the trade deadline. And now it's up to the Brewers front office to say, okay, how, how much longer do we think this team can keep it going? How, long, how much longer do we think that this team can hold on by a thread? Because if you just hang around, and the Brewers are doing that, they're hanging around in the Central right now in the division, they just hang on, they give themselves that opportunity in August and in September to get hot at the right time and, and, and snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, if you will. And that's what the Brewers did this weekend. They won two or three and they kept themselves in the game. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had an awesome weekend. If you were a Brewer fan, it was certainly made easier by the fact that they had some great performances, winning on Friday and Saturday. One of them a walk-off. Uh, Christian Yelich and Keston Hira hitting hitting two home runs, uh, one apiece in that 10th inning walk-off win. Uh, yesterday, not as lucky. Yesterday, the Cubs offense just, just got out of control, particularly Kyle Schwarber. But... You look at the division, the Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals are tied in that first spot, both 56 and 49, and then the Brewers are right there, 56 and 51, only one game back. And with the trade deadline on Wednesday, the Brewers have kept themselves in the game. The Brewers get sweep this weekend, and it, and it's it's close to over because the Brewers are, are three or four games back. But they were able to hang in there, keep themselves in the game, and they they continue to play. They get they get to play longer. It's like putting another token, another quarter in the arcade machine. You keep playing, you keep yourself in there, and you hope something good happens. If you didn't watch any games this weekend, if you didn't watch a single one, it, the series can be wrapped up in a pretty good way. For the Brewers, I, I don't want to speak to the Cubs too much because I don't watch the Cubs as much as the Brewers, obviously. This is the Wisco Sports Show. We focus on our Wisconsin teams. For the most part, I, I will speak for the Brewers by saying their offense wasn't out of this world crazy, but the hitting was very timely, and it was obviously very clutch to come from behind wins on Friday 
and another on Saturday. One of them was a walk-off in extra innings. The, the offense was there when it needed to be, winning 3-2 to two on Friday, 5-3 to three on Saturday. Saturday was the walk-off. And the pitching was excellent until yesterday. Gio Gonzalez and Chase Anderson both gave you, I, I think, just about as good of a start as you could have asked for. They gave you everything you could have asked for. Zach Davies, Zach Davies was the one, the one outlier this weekend. If you follow me on Twitter at Keystroker Grant, and you should, if you listen to the show, helps us stay connected. Even when I'm not uh, speaking into this microphone on WKTY, it helps us stay connected. I tweeted yesterday, and it included a swear word, which I normally try to avoid, but yesterday it just seemed appropriate. It, to me, I, I tweeted about this. It, it felt like the Brewers' starting pitching staff got together on Thursday night or Friday morning and said, "All right, look." I know we've been bad. We have been bad, all right? We'll admit it. But Gio, Chase, you, you, you both got one good start in you this weekend. Let's get it. One good start. Forget everything that's happened up until this point. Forget about everything that happens after this weekend. You both got one good start. Let's go on and get it. Ha! And then I'd like to think that there was a, 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 big, a, a big group hug, big group breakdown. Let's go get him. And I guess Zach Davies was gone from that meeting. He missed that memo. Uh, because he was a train wreck yesterday. He gave up seven runs on just two swings, uh, both to Kyle Schwarber, a grand slam, and a three-run home run. The bullpen wasn't much better. Jeremy Jeffers couldn't really get a handle on things. But outside of yesterday, the pitching was excellent. The offense was timely. The offense was clutch. And, and that was is that, that was your recap, right? If you weren't able to watch Brewers-Cubs, I, I think that's the, the right way to wrap it up, right? That's all, I'm doing my best here. <laughs> clutch hitting and, and great pitching. Up and up until yesterday. Let's exclude yesterday from the equation. We're going to talk a lot of Brewers today. They did make a roster move. They made a trade. We're going to talk about that. We're going to explore the rest of the roster a little bit as well. And I do want to talk Packers because we're we're reaching that part of the summer where we start to ramp up the Packers talk. Right? We start to talk about specific players and coaches and training camp. It's no longer big picture. It's no longer rumors. It's no longer quotations from an interview. We have something real. We have something concrete to talk about. So we're really going to ramp up our Packers talk uh, here over the next couple of weeks. We'll get our Packers talk underway at at 5.30. If you want to get in on the show, if you want to have a conversation, I would love to speak to you. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. As I mentioned, at Keystroker Grant is my Twitter. You can find us all at WKTY. The Brewers got a new starter, and, and, and I had to laugh a little bit. It was almost poetic because when Craig Council was asked about it last week, I don't remember if it was on Wednesday or Tuesday, about the starting rotation because Shasin's hurt, right? Corbin Burns is is basically gone forever. Jimmy Nelson's gone forever, right? Everybody's hurt. They're down to three starting pitchers, and they had enough to get through the weekend, right? They had Anderson, Gonzalez, and Davies. And when Craig Council was asked about it, he said, we got enough to get through this weekend. We'll worry about Monday when Monday comes around. And Monday came around today, their off day, and they traded for a new starter. They traded, uh, they brought back Jordan Lyles, who who they brought in last year. Didn't really do a whole lot. Didn't really see a lot of action for the Brewers last year. It was kind of an afterthought. I I almost forgot. When I saw they traded for Jordan Lyles, it didn't even hit me right away uh, that he was a player they traded for last year as well. Now, Jordan Lyles has had his ups and downs this year, to say the least. Just doing a little bit of research uh, trying to learn as much as I can about Lyles. You know, he, he's signed a one-year deal with Pittsburgh after last year because the Brewers traded for him. He was pretty good, and, and he worked his way into a $2 million contract with Pittsburgh this year. And through his first eight starts, this really is a tale of, of two seasons, two halves for Jordan Lyles so far. Through his first eight starts, he posted a one nine seven ERA. He was great. And then he got beat up in late May, and, and since then... 
he has not been great. All right. In his last four starts specifically, his ERA is 15. Last four starts, an ERA of 15. And he has allowed seven or more runs in three of those starts. Right. If, if you want a, a really good summary, a really good get to know Jordan Lyles, or, or once again, get to know Jordan Lyles because he was a brewer last year, go to WKTYsports.com. We have an article posted right there. Also, follow us on Twitter uh, at WKTY. The article's posted right there. If you want to familiarize yourself uh, with Jordan Lyles, he was good early, kind of tailed off, and, and of late, and I do mean of late, as in the last uh, two or three weeks, he's been terrible. He's been bad in July. And, and I thought it was really interesting. I really appreciated the quote from Jordan Lyles in the candor, uh, talking about how he hasn't been great. This is a quote uh, Adam McCalvey tweeted out, MLB.com, Brewers.com, uh, and it's uh, a reporter I cite a lot because he's there every day. He's the ballpark every day at all these press conferences, and Jordan Lyles said, I'm definitely looking forward to a change. The last month or two hasn't gone in my favor. I've pitched poorly. This new trade uh, provides new scenery, new boost to confidence, and we're right in the middle of another race. So that's Jordan Lyles speaking about it, and a change of scenery is is probably good for Jordan Lyles. It's probably something well, it can't make him any worse. I mean, in his last four starts, he's got an ERA of 15, so it can't make him worse. It can only help him, and I think a place where he's been appreciated as part of a pennant race, as a team that went to the NLCS last year, hopefully there's some familiarity, hopefully there's some comfortability, uh, to use the longest and most awkward words possible. Hopefully he's happy to be back in Milwaukee, and hopefully that change of scenery uh, does help him pitch and trend in the right direction because they're going to need him uh, probably at some point during this week. It looks like Adrian Hauser is going to have to start as well, but they have those three guys, Gonzalez, Davies, and Anderson. So it looks like Adrian Hauser and and probably Jordan Lyles at some point uh, round out that rotation. I saw a lot of conversation, especially on Twitter, uh, from Brewers fans saying, oh, he stinks. Look at his numbers. He's been bad. He's been awful. Why do you want him? Brewers fans. And I say this because I love the Brewers and I love the Brewers fan base. I don't know if there has ever been a more practical application of the expression, beggars can't be choosers. You got three starting pitchers. One of them got shelled on Sunday. And Gio had to leave, although it was in the seventh inning. So if there's a good reason for your arm to get tired, it would be pitching seven innings. But he had to leave early. So there's always a little bit of injury concern. You are one bad step, bad swing, one bad pitch away from being down to two starting pitchers. Neither one have been great, one of which started the season in the bullpen. You need this arm. I don't care what his ERA is the last month. If he can pitch, if he can stand up straight and throw a ball over home plate, bring him in. The Brewers only had to give up one prospect who I had never heard of. I don't pretend to be a Brewers minor league enthusiast, but I'd never heard of him. Pitching prospect on the way. Traded uh, traded from the Pirates. So so there you go. And, and I mean that. I, I, I don't care how good or bad he's been. He can throw a ball across the plate and he can start a game for the Brewers this week. That's all they really need, at least to buy some time. Maybe he ends up back in the bullpen. Maybe he's good as a starter. Uh, But as of right now, they just need healthy, competent arms to keep afloat, to stay in the game, as we talked about, as they did this weekend, winning two of three from the Cubs. I want to continue to talk about the Brewers. I had an idea yesterday uh, come across my mind. I think it's easy to explain why the Brewers have been up and down. And even though there's been moments of brilliance, and there were a few of them this weekend, and you can think of moments of brilliance all throughout the the beginning of the regular season, all the way back to opening day, the Brewers have had great moments, moments of brilliance, but they have never been able to to actually get the car going. When I talked to to Ryan Giannone of of CBS 
uh, News 8, the, the CBS affiliate here in La Crosse, who, who covers, who has covered Brewers, who's covered Packers before, and, and he's our Chicago sports guy, I bring on every once in a while. I, I told him the Brewers kind of feel like uh, the 101 Dalmatians car from the old cartoon is it's going down the road. <laughs> Like it's it sounds like it's trying to get going, but it never gets going. I'm sure everybody's had like an old lawnmower or an ice auger or, or one of the one of a small engine that you're always beaten on. It's never working right. It'll have a moment where it goes and then it'll die. That's how this Brewers team feels. And up until yesterday, I haven't really been able to figure it out. It hit me. I want to have that conversation coming up next. Packers talk on the way as well. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. Back in a moment here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills, your host. Thanks for hanging out, tuning in. If you want to talk Brewers, you can join me. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. I'd love to have a conversation. Maybe you don't have time for a phone call. You can shoot me a text, too. Whatever works. Love to talk Brewers. The Brewers won two of three from the Cubs this weekend, and, and I guess... The hill that I'm going to die on is they kept themselves in the game. They weren't going to win the division this weekend, but they certainly uh, could have lost it or, or gotten very, very close. They kept themselves in the game a couple days longer. They're going to make it to the trade deadline as contenders. They're only one game back in the Central, right behind both the Cardinals and the Cubs, who are now tied. They're there, and now David Stearns, if he wants, has reason to say, okay, we're going to go out and make a move. Now, he made a, a smallish move, Jordan Lyles, that I think is is more throwing that starting rotation a, a life raft rather than a, a yacht or a speedboat, which is what they desperately need. But but for right now, you might be able to get by with that life raft until Shasin gets healthy or, or, or until the this starting rotation starts to fit together. And, and yesterday, I was thinking about the weekend series, and I was thinking about the Brewers, and I'm like, I, I can't figure this team out. I, I feel like I, I've been pondering the meaning of life all summer because that's how difficult... Uh, a puzzle this Brewers team has been. They should be better. I, I watch this team and I see great moments. I see great hitters and I see great athletes. They just haven't been able to put it together. I keep comparing them to an old broken down car that that runs fine for a couple of minutes and then it sputters and you got to fix it and then you, it gets going and then then it something goes bad. It hasn't been smooth sailing, right? It's been choppy seas for the Brewers. And yesterday, I... I I actually think I might have figured it out. So I went for a run after the game yesterday. I drove up uh, to the weather station up above Granddad's Bluff, and I ran around uh, on some trails back there uh, and just listened to some music and just and just thought about the Brewers. I said, okay, well, what are we going to talk about this week? You know, I could, could talk about the Brewers' bullpen or their starting rotation or, you know, I could play sound bites from Craig Council. And, and, and then it hit me. I, I think I know why this Brewers team has, has struggled to get off the ground this year. And it, and it comes down to individual players, uh, obviously, right? Bear with me. I'll explain. So yesterday I went for a run. I, I don't know. I ran for about 40 minutes. I doubt I went very far, but I got a real good sweat in. I was really tired, came home, and, and felt like I had, I had had a good workout, right? You know the feeling. Maybe you didn't run a full marathon. Maybe you didn't lift uh, your personal record in deadlift or in bench. But you know that feeling of getting home and just going, did something good today, right? I got a good workout in. Well, I got home, uh, drank a bottle of water, and then ate half a frozen pizza and half a carton of Ben and Jerry. So that kind of canceled out that, right? And I said, wait, my Sunday evening slash afternoon is exactly what this Brewer season has been. There have been some players on this roster who have performed way outside expectations, who have gone above and beyond, right? I'd like to compare those players to my afternoon yesterday going for a run. I don't work out a ton, 
Yesterday, I exceeded expectations. I really went out of my way to go get a good run and get a good sweat. I was tired, ran up a lot of hills, ran around on some trails, right? That's hard work. I really exceeded expectations. Then I get home, and I, come on, I earned it, right? I ate a pizza, ate some ice cream. So, the, well, that kind of canceled it out, right? So, really, it was just an average Sunday. That's the 2019 Brewers. You have some guys who are driving up onto the bluffs and just running laps up and down, up and down the hills, right? Jumping over logs, sprinting down down gullies, right? Just getting a workout in. And then the other half is sitting at home, sitting on their can, eating cheap $2 frozen pizzas and slugging down strawberry cheesecake ice cream. You understand what I mean? So, so I thought, why not take a look at this Brewers 40-man roster and try to pick out which is which, right? Which players are driving up to the bluffs and just getting work done, and which players are sitting at home eating frozen pizza and Ben and Jerry. So let's look at the pitchers, first of all. This is, this is going to be difficult, right? And, and I have the full 40-man roster in front of me because obviously there's some, some pitchers and some players on this 40-man roster right now who are not on the active roster because they're on the injured list, and I want to include those players. So you might say, well, he's on the IL. Well, yeah, he still counts. He's still on the 40-man roster. So we're going to go through the relievers uh, and the starters. Let's look at the pitchers right now. Matt Albers, I, I, I don't know. He might be the one player who has kind of been <laughs> just average this year. I don't know if he's exceeded or, or fallen below expectations. Chase Anderson, I, look, we hate on him. We use him as, as I think, kind of a doorstop who just gets beaten around. But Brewers fans, you got to admit, with all the injuries and with all the struggles in the starting rotation, for the most part, Chase Anderson has been able to step up and really keep this Brewers starting rotation afloat, as afloat as this rotation can be. And that included his start this weekend against the Cubs. I'm not hating Chase Anderson right now. I think he's gone above and beyond what the Brewers expected this year and has been a big part of the Brewers not just falling apart at the seams when every starting pitcher they planned on originally has either gotten hurt or flunked out. I'm going to say Chase Anderson is running laps up on the bluff. He's outperforming expectations. I'm going to skip Jacob Barnes just because he hasn't had a huge role on this team. Corbin Burns might be the poster child uh, for sitting on the couch eating frozen pizza and ice cream. And I don't mean that literally. I'm not saying he's lazy. I'm not saying he's unhealthy. I'm just saying he is underperformed probably more so than any other player on this roster. Now, the expectations were sky high for Corbin Burns, fair or not, but the expectations were the expectations. The Brewers needed this guy to be a a stud in the starting rotation. There were talks that maybe Corbin Burns by the end of the season is one of the best in the NL Central. Instead, He's been starter, minor league, bullpen. Now he's on the injured list. He's been nothing for this Brewers team. He's been a weight weighing them down. He's going to fall on the below average side, right? Yulisha Seen, same story. Now, a lot of this Brewers offseason, I sat in this very spot with this very microphone in my hand and talked about how I'm I'm not sure. I, I haven't bought into Yulisha Seen. He had a great year last year. Uh, but I'm not expecting that out of him again. The other player I talked about very similarly was Jesus Aguilar, who we'll get to. Yolish Yassin didn't even live up to my low expectations for him. He has completely fallen short. He hasn't won since April. He's on the 10-day IL right now, but he has certainly underperformed expectations. Alex Claudio, I actually think he's another one of those rare guys who's kind of just average. I don't know if he's has been that great or that poor. He's just been a middle-of-the-pack reliever. Sometimes they're going to be good. Sometimes they're going to give up runs. We'll skip him. Zach Davies is might be the only guy on this roster who has done both in one season. He has exceeded expectations and fallen short all in the same season. The first half of the 2019 season so far, he looked like the best pitcher to ever put on a Brewers uniform. We were talking Cy Young. 
right? And since then, he hasn't been able to do a single thing right, which was put on put on display again uh, yesterday as he got shelled for seven runs all off the bat of Kyle Schwarber. Zach Davies has excelled. He's been running laps up on the bluff, and he's been sitting at home eating ice cream and frozen pizza all in one season. He might be the one rare guy who falls uh, in both boats. Gio Gonzalez, uh, well, the other day, if you go by by his start this weekend against the Cubs, I'd say he's been he's been great. Uh, Gio Gonzalez isn't a guy that I had high expectations for when they brought him in. If he's a suitable starter, uh, a competent starter, I'm going to say he's exceeded expectations for me. Junior Garrett, from what he's given you in the bullpen, uh, he's a guy who I would trust. Probably the order would go... Josh Hader, Freddie Peralta, and then after that, your guess is as good as mine. I'm not going to say I trust Jeremy Jeffers more than Junior Guerra right now, and I think that's a win for Junior Guerra. I think he is standing pat with expectations or exceeding them. Josh Hader has been everything you can expect from Josh Hader. Adrian Hauser, I'd say, has exceeded expectations. I certainly say he's played above uh, the waterline for what we what we have expected, right? Problem is, Jeremy Jeffers in the bullpen has been below expectations, so like that cancels out. Corey Knable's been on the injured list. So that has hurt them, right? Jimmy Nelson, I don't know what you expected from him, uh, but I think no matter how low your expectations were, nobody expected this. He's below the waterline. Freddie Peralta, from what we expected earlier as a starter, has fallen below that waterline, although it looks like he might be trying to make that up. And Brandon Woodruff, the the final of the pitchers we haven't talked about, has played way below, or way above average, excuse me, went way better than anybody expected. So just going through the the, the pitchers right now, on the on the 40 man roster you can find tons of examples of guys who have excelled to a high level that no one expected and you can also guys who have fallen way below what everyone has expected if you start looking at bats Jesus Aguilar way below the waterline Keston Hira for as much as we love him look what he did the other night way above the waterline Mike Moustakis way above the waterline Travis Shaw is farther below the waterline than any other human being I think in major league baseball he's been unplayable so just in the bats, in the infielders, guys who are punching way above their weight and way below, that's going to equal out to about average, which is what the Brewers have been. You look in the outfield, Lorenzo Cain has been slightly below expectations. I'm going to say Christian Yelich, as great as he's been, has been slightly above expectations because we expected greatness. I don't know if we expected this. I'd say those two balanced each other out. Ryan Braun has is, is been a guy. Ben Gamble's been a guy. So when you surround guys who have underperformed and overperformed with a bunch of average guys, you're going to get average. That's how math works, right? So even though it feels like the Brewers have players of brilliance, which they do, Josh Hader, Christian Yelich, and and I'd say recently, heck, like Chase, Chase Anderson played great the other day. There are guys playing above average right now, but they're being weighed down by players who are also playing below average. Jesus Aguilar, Travis Shaw, Yoli Shasin, right? Just going to even out to average. And luckily for the Brewers right now, they're in the game. They're right there. They're one game back in the division. The Cardinals and Cubs are tied. And the Brewers have a chance to do it again this upcoming weekend when they play the Cubs uh, for the second weekend in a row. The Brewers are in a good spot, but they're going to need some of those players who are playing below the waterline to step up at least to average. That'll make a huge deal. Yesterday, I went on a run. I went up on the bluffs. Got a great workout in. But really, for my overall health, did it matter a whole lot? Probably not, because I came home and eat pizza and ice cream. That's the Brewers right there. Sunday, July 28th in the life of Grant Bills. That is a perfect illustration of why the Brewers this season have been average. Guys who are great, 
and guys who stink. That's going to equal out to to zero. That's going to cancel each other out. And the Brewers essentially right now are, are at zero or slightly above uh, at a couple games, five games above 500. Uh, we we got to take a break. We're a little bit late. I want to talk Packers. Training camp is rolling on. I want to talk running backs. And I also want to talk uh, this fancy uh, NFL Top 100 that everybody's been making a big deal over. I haven't really been paying attention to it. I've kind of been focused on the Brewers, focused on training camp. But the NFL does this every year, right, where the players vote on the 100 best players and then they count them down. Well, I want to talk about that as well. Two Packers players in particular, and I'm not going to say they should be higher because I'm not going to waste my time. But two Packers players who I think may be two of the more underrated players in the entire NFL. We'll talk Packers green and gold coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show will return here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM. 580 AM. You can always stream us, mobile app, WKTYsports.com. Lots of ways to listen. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening. Hope you had a good weekend. Uh, hopefully plenty of time to relax and just sit back uh, and watch Brewers baseball. Yesterday we took a uh, we took a bus trip to Miller Park, as we often do. I'd like to apologize. It Unfortunately, the luck just worked out that our bus trip was by far and away the worst game of the series for Brewers fans. But look, there are a lot of Cubs fans out and about in this area as well. I'm sure plenty of Cubs fans uh, got to see a W off that bus trip yesterday. We do have a lot of bus trips uh, for this Packers season. Almost every home game, we're taking a bus. Nice coach bus will pick you up either on Alaska or Toma. You, you get your game ticket in the lower end zone, and you get to be a part of that awesome indoor-outdoor tailgate party they have at the Rush Center right in the middle of things. And it's all for one low price. So go to RadioStuffStore.com if you want to check out a, a Packer game. Because, look, driving to Green Bay stinks, parking stinks. Let us take care of that for you. It's a great way to see a game. Uh, And I have been on a couple of our bus trips. It's always a great experience, win or lose. I want to talk Packers. I've been on this. I've been stuck on this the last couple of weeks, and I haven't really heard anybody else talking about it. Not that it matters. I'm not trying to be original here or anything, but I've been fixated on the running back position because I don't think there has been enough depth. I think that everyone is content to say Aaron Jones is the guy and Jamal Williams is the number two and then to completely forget about the position. And I think that's short-sighted. I, 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 I don't like that. It's not that I don't like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I think Aaron Jones is tremendous. And if you remember last year, I saw this being paraded a lot on Twitter and by certain Wisconsin sports talk people saying, look, Aaron Jones is, is Alvin Kamara light. You just got to use him in the right way. I don't think he's as good as Alvin Kamara, but I think he can be a very similar player. You just got to use him the right way. I love Aaron Jones. I love Jamal Williams. That doesn't mean I want to go into the season with a with a running back stable of Jones, Williams, and then one fill-in-the-blank, right? Undrafted free agent or a draft pick, most likely, uh, because they uh, they took a, a running back in, in the draft. Dexter Williams this year. I wasn't comfortable with that. Adding more running backs, adding more depth doesn't mean that you hate the running backs you have. It just means that you care about the position, you prioritize the position, right? So the Packers entered training camp with six running backs. Of course, they had Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Dexter Williams. Uh, They're two incumbents from last year and their recent draft pick. And I'm going to include Danny Vitale, their fullback in that group. So that's four. And outside of those, they had Trey Carson and Malcolm Johnson. Okay, so they have six. And I would imagine the Packers are probably going to keep two, three running backs and a fullback. That's four. That's average. 
Well, until they added two more running backs. Right now, six is good if you're going to keep four. I'd say that's a good sample size. Well, the Packers have signed two more. They signed Corey Grant, we talked about, right? The player for Jacksonville, and then he was there with Nathaniel Hackett. That makes sense. Very good as a pass catcher in in some big games for the Jags. And he was a solid backup uh, behind Leonard Fournette, which is what the Packers need. They're not looking for number one running back. They're looking at a guy who can blend in with a certain number of plays and a certain style of play behind their number one running back. I'd say Corey Grant has been able to fill that role in his five years in the league. Now, they also claim Darren Hall. I heard Dave and Scrady talking about uh, him this morning. And Dave and Scrady both seemed pretty set on the fact that, well, he's not going to be here when the regular season rolls around. He's not. They're not going to keep that many running backs. Well, look, I don't think the Packers can keep five or six running backs. I think they could keep four and a fullback, which is five total. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Packers really load up at that position. I I think it's more likely that the Packers keep five running backs, fullback included, than it is they keep seven wide receivers. And that's not just a hunch. That's not just logic. That's looking at the evidence. Look at Matt LaFleur. Look at Nathaniel Hackett, the way that their teams have been constructed and operated in the past. I find it really interesting looking at the, the Falcons from 2016, right? The, the team that made the Super Bowl, Matt LaFleur was, was in uh, coaching uh, with that team, right? He wasn't the head coach, wasn't the offensive coordinator. I believe he was the quor- uh, the the um, the quarterbacks coach at the time. He was a part of that coaching staff, right? And a big piece of why everybody assumed that that team was successful, right? Yep, quarterback coach in 2016. The Falcons were a, a high flying air-, air raid type offense, right? They threw the ball a lot. That was Matt Ryan's MVP. You don't win MVP as a quarterback if you're not in in some sort of pass-heavy offense, right? They threw the ball all over the field, and why not? They play in a dome, they play on turf, and they have great wide receivers. But if you remember about that team, they used a bunch of running backs. They deployed them in all different ways, right? When Matt LaFleur was a quarterback coach, right, Kyle Shanahan was the head coach uh, in Atlanta, or, or offensive coordinator, excuse me, and they had three running backs, and they used them all. In all different ways. Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman, of course, are the two names everybody knows. Running up the middle, over to the sides, get him involved in the screen game, the pitch game, split him out, right? Line him up in all sorts of ways. Now, nobody looks back at that 2016 Atlanta offense and says, they were a passing offense. They didn't use the running backs. They didn't prioritize the uh, the, the running backs. Well, yeah, they were, they were a pass-first offense, but they prioritized the running backs. They prioritized the running game because they know that that takes pressure off of Matt Ryan. That takes pressure off off of Julio Jones, which every defense that year was scheming to stop because Matt Ryan was winning MVP. Julio Jones, of course, as you know, is Julio Jones. We need to realize that there's a balance between, yes, your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers and you have Devontae Adams, and and the passing is always going to be number one, especially in the, the NFL as it stands in 2019, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't spend time, energy, and focus on improving the running back position and, and deploying those running backs in in many different ways. Because that's going to take pressure off of Aaron Rodgers. And if if you could boil the Aaron Rodgers argument from the last five years down to, to one statement, it's Aaron Rodgers needs help. He needs pressure removed from him. Now, you can do that in different ways, right? You get a more creative head coach, a better defense, right? And a bigger running game. And I think the Packers are going to try to do all three this year. Which is going to take some pressure off of Aaron Rodgers, much like they took pressure off of Matt Ryan uh, until they absolutely melted down in the Super Bowl in in 2016. Actually, that was in 2017, the actual Super Bowl was. And people are excited 
about Aaron Jones. Nathaniel Hackett spoke today. The players weren't in camp today, but the players were talking about all the different ways. Because remember, Nathaniel Hackett hasn't coached Aaron Jones before. This is the first time he's he's been around him in a coaching role and in a coordinator role. And and Nathaniel Hackett's that guy. Remember, high energy, smiling, yells, swears. He's that guy, right? When when he was introduced, we talked that uh, talked a lot about that on the show. He spoke earlier today about Aaron Jones, and I think some of these quotations are telling. This is one. He's got a really good burst and ability to press the outside. And then his one-cut ability, it showed up a couple times yesterday. It looked nice. The biggest surprising thing for me was watching him when he did make his cut, his ability to get his shoulders square and downhill. That's all cliche football talk. None of that is is super substantial. He's giving an answer. But something that that does stand out about that answer is he kind of lists bullet points, right? It's not, wow, he's so fast. I don't know if I've ever coached a running back this fast. I don't know how cornerbacks are going to catch up to him. I don't know how linemen are going to run him down, right? No, he didn't say that. Yeah, he's got good burst, but he can also press the outside really well. Oh, yeah, and also his one-cut ability through the hole is great. And I saw it a couple times yesterday. Also, I was surprised that when he did make that cut, he was great great uh, fundamentals in, in getting his shoulder square and getting downhill. That's four or five different parts of being a running back that Hackett mentioned, right? Talking about all the different things Aaron Jones can do. Another quotation. He's not the biggest guy, but his ability to really stretch it. One cut, get downhill, and you can really see him get low and take some of those thud tackles from the defense. That's what? six. The sixth thing he's brought up? He can take a hit. He might be small, but he's a big hit. He continues. You're like, okay, this guy's not only going to be able to get a couple of big ones and break it, but when there isn't anything there, he's going to get a positive gain. That's the exciting thing about him right now. I also read a piece at The Athletic uh, just this morning, a piece is a couple days old if you subscribe to The Athletic, talking about how Aaron Jones went back to his hometown and was letting high school running backs uh, throw passes to him, right? He wanted the passes to purposefully be bad. He wanted him down at his feet, up above his head, left, right, improving that catch radius all around him so he can be utilized more in the passing game. So Aaron Rodgers can use him as a receiver, use him in the screen game, right? Aaron Jones having high school quarterbacks throwing passes. Yeah, put him at, put him at my feet. Put him out here, put him over here, put him up here because I want to improve that catch radius. Aaron Jones trying to add all these pieces to his game. Right in this conversation his is kind of steered towards Aaron Jones and away from the depth of the position which is what we originally started talking about. I want depth at this position. I want as many bodies, as many abled bodies as possible in that running back stable to take the pressure off Aaron Jones so he can do his job so he doesn't get worn and torn and beat down so when week 13 rolls around he's shot for the season and I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers keep four running backs plus a fullback which would be five I don't remember the last time the Packers did that I know they've kept seven wide receivers I don't know if they're going to keep five backs this year I I think it might be possible though I don't know who but you got to think that Williams Jones and Williams are in there because Dexter Williams is drafted this year so one more guy. Who do you like? Trey Carson, Malcolm Johnson, Corey Grant. Guy they claimed, Darren Hall. Who knows? But I think they're going to keep four running backs. I think they're going to keep a fullback too because precedent would tell us this coaching staff likes a complete, diverse running game to take pressure off the quarterback and the passing game, which is going to be number one given the fact that you have Aaron Rodgers. I want to talk not about Aaron Rodgers, but some of the other Packers superstars, players who have ended up on this NFL Top 100 list. It's voted on by the players I think it's interesting. I think it's telling. I want to talk about Devontae Adams and David Bakhtiari coming up next. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY.
Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills, and I am your host. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for hanging out. Talked a lot of Brewers today, and I think some really good conversation about this weekend series, about Jordan Lyles, and about the roster as a whole. If you missed it, you want to check it out, go to WKTYsports.com. Click on the podcast tab. Uh, it'll be up at about 6.05. So sorry, i got to make you wait a couple of minutes, I guess. All the Wisco Sports Shows are posted right there if you want to catch up. Uh, listen to something again that you may have enjoyed. Do it at WKTYsports.com. The NFL is in the middle of doing this uh, this top 100 thing. And I, I think sports radio and sports TV and lists go hand in hand because it's something to be argued. It's something to complain about. You don't have this player in your top 10 or your top 100. Like It, it just creates endless conversation, which is why lists, top 10 lists, top 50, top 100, whatever, goes so great with sports radio and sports television. Now, this particular top 100 is voted on just by the players. And I checked that before the show because I want to make sure I have it right. It's not players and coaches and media. It's just players who vote on this. And they do it every year about this time. And they release them 10 at a time, right? So they start 100 through, how would it work? 100 through 91 or 100 through 90. uh, And then a night later, two nights later, they do 80, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s. And they count them down. They really drag it out, right? And there's normally a little video blurb and a little written blurb about all of these players. And I think of this, this the NFL Top 100 as a, as like this final kick we actually need to get to real football. Like the other day, last week, I said, I've made it this far without complaining about no football. I've been watching baseball. I've been doing the NBA offseason, right? I've been having fun outside in the beautiful Wisconsin summertime weather. And then last week, it hit me. Holy cow, I need football. And along comes the NFL 100 time perfectly just to carry us. To the finish line, which will be opening night between the the Bears and the Packers, right? It gets us there. I think it's well-timed. Now, I don't know every single player in the NFL, okay? Now, I don't know every player in the NBA either, but it's a lot easier when you're dealing with starting lineups of five and benches of three or four, not starting lineups of 11 versus 11 and active rosters of 53 instead of 14, right? It's a lot harder for me to know every single player in the NFL, so I'm not going to say that one player should be higher than another. I'm just going to use this list and the placement of a couple of Packers on this list to really make a point, to really start a discussion, okay? So, so far, the Packers have had both David Bakhtiari and Devontae Adams, and pardon me if there were other Packers that I missed. I just haven't been watching that closely. David Bakhtiari came in at 43, and he was uh he was 91 last year, so that's a 48 spot jump. This was the little blurb that was written. I think it's kind of funny. It said, "Did Bakhtiari jump 48 spots in the top 100 because he dominated Aaron Rodgers in a beer chugging contest?" I'm not saying that's why, but I'm not. What did it say? I'm not saying that's why, but I'm not not saying it. Okay, Bakhtiari was insanely good in 2018. He was named first team All Pro and PFF's 2018 Pass Blocker of the Year. So I guess that's bigger than out chugging his quarterback. Rodgers will keep letting him chug beers if he keeps protecting him like he did last season. Bakhtiari allowed just 25 pressures on 737 pass block attempts. He's crucial to getting back to the playoffs in 2019. So David Bakhtiari comes in at 43. This isn't just a Green Bay Packer thing. This is a specific David Bakhtiari thing. I think he's in the conversation right there for the best left left tackle in football. It depends on what you prioritize, right? If you want your left tackle to be a road grader to clear space for your running back, okay, David Bakhtiari might not be that guy, but with all the money that's being invested into quarterbacks in today's NFL, I'd like to think that 
the role of a left tackle, and the most important thing for a left tackle is keeping the quarterback upright, and that's only a problem when the quarterback is throwing the ball. Think of David Bakhtiari as protecting that hundreds of millions of dollars invested in Aaron Rodgers. That's his role. And when it comes to pass blocking, he is, and it's not close, okay? 2016 to 2018, including playoffs. This is from Pro Football Focus. Okay, this is from some blog. This is from Pro Football Focus, okay? Active players with the highest grade in pass blocking. Keeping your quarterback healthy and upright, Okay. Taylor Luan, Dwayne Brown, Tyron Smith, Trent Williams, Jason Peters, Teron Armstead, Andrew Whitworth are 8 through 2. And all of their ratings fall between 86 at number 8 with Taylor Luan and 90.9 with Andrew Whitworth. So let's call it an even 91 is your number 2. Your second best player is rated at a 91. David Bakhtiari is at a 96.7, which, if you will astutely notice, is the numbers for our station, 96.7 FM. But by far and away the best pass-blocking left tackle in the league, and it's not close. Of any tackles, not just left tackles, but right tackles. That's that's almost seven points, six and a half points higher than the next closest, and that's over a span of 2016 to 2018. It's not close, okay? Now, Devontae Adams comes in at number 35, and this is the this is the blurb written about him, and I'll just give you the first part. With or without Aaron Rodgers, Adams has proven he's a legit number one receiver. Duh. Who? What? what? I, yeah, he's been that for two years now. And I don't think it took a season without Aaron Rodgers to prove that. Continuing. In 2018, he had his best season yet. 111 receptions, 1,300 yards, and 13 touchdowns. That's three straight 10-plus touchdown seasons. The most impressive aspect of Adams' career is that he's even been asked to do more He's only gotten better. His catch percentage has improved every year. Adams has become a guy the Packers can't live without. After Adams, Jimmy Graham has the second most receptions on the team with 55. Yes, Adams more than doubled the next closest guy. That's 111 to 55. Devontae Adams, and I knew that Adam Thielen was going to come in before or or higher than Devontae Adams, and it was only by a couple of spots. Devontae Adams came in at 35, uh, and Adam Thielen came in at 33. And, And Vikings fans hate this. Because, and I, they might have the best wide receiver tandem in the NFL. Devontae Adams is so much better than Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. So much better. He has the route running skills and, and, and the, the brains, because I won't say cerebral play, because that's just overused. I'll say he has the brains of Adam Thielen and the route running capabilities, the crisp route running, and then the play at the line of scrimmage of Adam Thielen. But he's so much more bigger and so much more athletic and stronger. And that's not just because Adam Thielen's white. Nobody needs to make that joke, okay? Devontae Adams is just that much better. And I think Devontae Adams and David Bakhtiari are two of the most underrated players at their positions in the NFL. And, 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 and I'm pretty confident in saying that. Not saying overall, but certainly at their positions. We'll talk more about all the Packers players as his top 100 continues, and the Brewers as well. They start a series with Oakland tomorrow night. Wisco Sports Show will come back same time, same place tomorrow. Have a good night. Talk to you then.